0: You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. All right. Today's show, Gwyneth Paltrow, who was on our cover uh, about five years ago, June 2011, just as we were relaunching the brand. And here's five years later, we're checking back in with her. Gwyneth stopped by and we talked about her new cookbook, It's All Easy, and her kids, what she's been cooking, whether she can get back into film. All that good stuff. But that's not all. Uh, also on today's episode, Senior Editor Joya Kramer and I get on the phone with Deputy Editor Andrew Knowlton, who uh, is researching our Best New Restaurants list for our September issue. Uh, he and Kramer do so together. Well, he was like literally on the road. We called him and he didn't even pull over. Just talking on his cell phone. we check in with Knowlton, see how much he's been eating and drinking, and seeing how his search is going for the Hot 10, America's Best New Restaurants. But now, let's check out me and Gwyneth Paltrow. All right, GP, thanks for coming by.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You got a new book out? I do. It's all easy? It is. It is. <laughs> that's, that's what I was like, is it really? A, honest, it's, that's one of those things in the magazine biz, you know, they always like easy is one of those words you're always supposed to put on every cover. And I'm always sort of arguing with my test kitchen editors, like, is this recipe actually easy? Are we making it too hard? Like... What were your parameters when you were working on this book? To like What qualified and what didn't?
1: I didn't want an ingredients list that was a mile long because that's just daunting. Even though you know it's not actually that hard to add like one dash of 10 things, yeah. it just seems hard. And I wanted it to feel a little bit lighter and a little bit more like, oh, I can manage this because yeah. it's not going to be 150 things in the recipe and that it wasn't. There weren't really complicated steps. I mean, it's I tried to make them all um, on the faster side, but some of them take longer. But they're yeah. not difficult to prepare.
0: What sort of things that take longer cooking time, but it doesn't mean they're hard? Like a, a simple braise or something. Exactly. I, I do think the visuals is interesting when you look at a recipe that has a lot of ingredients. A lot of people immediately almost recoil. Exactly. And, so this is your th- you done this is your third cookbook in like five years. Gosh. That's an impressive clip. And Thank you did you. this one with Thea Bauman, your yes. food editor at Goop. Mm-hmm. You did the previous two with Julia Tursen.
1: Yes. The, yeah. fir- the first one I really did by myself.
0: Uh-huh. And um, that was my father's daughter, which is a very personal book. And I, I, we put you on the cover of BA back yes. in June, which at 2011. Um, I, it was interesting. When I pick up that book, and we'll we, – yeah, what the hell, we'll go there. Um, I had wanted to put someone on the cover of the magazine. I had just taken over as editor-in-chief, and to me it was important that – we made a statement that food was about more than just what's on the plate but it's about your relationships your family your friends they're you know they literally put a face to it uh and then your book came across my desk and you know a lot of people were like well what does gwyneth paltrow know about cooking and she's an actress <laughs> and you've dealt with this stuff all the time but it's like and then i actually read the book and you're like a it was beautifully written and there was like Thank it was you. personal and anecdotal and you know it just like it just rang true and then the recipes are like, oh, I'd make that. I'd make that. Yeah, I would make that. And I don't know I thought you and Julia just did a great job at sort of presenting the kind of recipes that people wanted to make. At the time, what made you think that? Okay, I, I can write a cookbook. Like, where, where did where did that come from? Where did that confidence? And 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 did you have? Is this? Are you? You know, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had been thinking about it for a long time. I. I have cooked for a long time. I learned to cook out of books. I taught myself how to cook. Um, And, you know, for me, the association of exactly what you're talking about, the love for my father, we learned to cook together. We would experiment with recipes. We ate out together all the time. I was so connected to him through food, and I was still really mourning the loss of him. And I had been wanting to do it for a long time. And... um, So when Mario Batali asked me, well, actually, I forced him to (laughs) let me be in Spain on the road again and go do that trip. And I started to go home and make recipes and we were doing that book and I was writing down what I was doing. And it really started to crystallize for me. And then when I set out to do my father's daughter it was coming from a very deep place. Like it was just kind of brimming out of me. And it was the food that I made all the time, recipes that I had. And then I invented new recipes for the book. And every single recipe in that book I made from scratch by myself, tested. Julia would retest and retest. And that was really the impetus, you know, that idea of What he taught me, the way that he would express his love through food when he would make me dinner or make us all dinner or make pancakes and have my godparents over and my best friends and their parents. And um, I had such a visceral connection and I just wanted to, I don't know, immortalize it somehow.
0: I mean, it's interesting because I I, you know, I noticed this with my own writers on staff. You can tell when someone really cares about what they're writing about. It comes through very clearly on the page, you know, right. when, the, when the writers really invested in it. Um, was it challenging then with the second and third book, It's All Good was your second book and then Now It's All Easy, where you didn't have that really personal statement you wanted to make. Now you're just, you're a cookbook author. Right. And you've got another book to write. That's got to be a bit more challenging, right?
1: It was very different Um, but it was still personal to me in that I was dealing with some health issues. My son was dealing with eczema and all of a sudden it was like people were saying, oh, I'm gluten intolerant and I can't eat egg or whatever. And I was like, wow, people are really wrestling with what to eat if they really want to eat clean food, you know? And that book came to me because I was having some health issues and I- was eating I was doing an elimination diet and by like day three I was like if I make myself a fucking scoop of brown rice again I'm gonna kill someone like I was like there has to be food that tastes like food that's clean it has to be true
0: it's called avocado all right
1: (laughs) and interestingly enough my ex-husband Chris had hired Julia Turson at the time to come and cook for Coldplay in London for a few weeks to really cook clean food yeah. and lean them out. Um and so we were doing recipes for goop and stuff like that. And I would you know, she was like making a salad and then taking the rest down to the Coldplay studio. I said, This is the book. But that's like,
0: fascinating. The fact that rock stars want healthy food. Yeah. You know, like this is the fact that we've gotten to that point, you know there has to be a market for it now. Yeah. You know, if, if a band wants to eat well, you're like, okay. So you, you did that book. And I guess what I was curious about, like, you know, I'm just gonna come kinda going all over the place Go right for now. It. But you know, so you launched goop.com in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. At the time were you thinking, Oh, I just want to kinda launch this digital newsletter, it'll be fun, or did you really have a a, a roadmap for over the next eight years? Are you where you thought you'd be back in 2008? Because you're kind of this new, you're a sort of lifestyle kingpin now, or someone who was an actress, you've taken a very different career path.
1: Thank you, Um, I think. Yeah, no, I mean,
0: (laughs) you've done it. So I just, what did did you plan that or has just kind of the momentum built?
1: Um, The answer to that question is I'm not entirely sure. I had sort of done this exhaustive film career I had had kids. I was fortunate enough to be in the position where I could be home for a couple of years and look after my kids. And, you know, I had sort of been the person for years and years that my friends would call and say, like, I have a guy coming for dinner. How do I roast a chicken? Like, I'm going to Paris for my dad's birthday. Where should we eat? You know, I had – so I had –
0: but that, but but the public didn't know that. To the no. public, you were this tall blonde actress who won well, an Academy Award. Like, what does she know about cooking? <laughs> right. So that's how right. did you make that leap to like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna go for it, and people have to, have to just deal with it.
1: I don't. I don't know. I just, you know, with many things that I've done in my life, I look back and I think, why did I have the audacity to do that? You know, whether it's being 22 years old and playing Emma in, you know, like this beloved. The heroine of Jane Austen and being this twenty-two year old American girl and not thinking (laughs) twice about it, or you know, launching Goop. It's like sometimes in hindsight, I look back and I think, why did I do that? Why did I think I could do that?
0: So, I mean, so where is your head at nowadays in terms of is an acting career? Is that kind of a back burner thing? Is that still share space with Goop and cookbooks and all that sort of stuff? Or like you know, how do how do you prioritize what you do now?
1: At the current time, you know, we are so focused on scaling the company and it requires 100% of my time. Um, and between that and my kids, I think for right now, it would be pretty hard for me to do a film. I mean, I just signed up. You're not on.
0: doing Iron Man 9 or something? Um,
1: <laughs> I may be doing something like that. Um, but, you know, at this point, like – I, I mean, I I said to myself, you know, in 2016, I should try to film something. I don't yeah. know if that's realistic. I definitely in 2017, I already have something yeah. that I'm gonna do. Then,
0: do you think you need to to sort of maintain your profile?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, people say you should because the more that you kind of reinforce your brand as an actress, the more you can th- leverage that brand for your yeah. business. Um, I don't know. We'll see. My hope is that very soon Goop will be very much its own entity yeah. and that's why I didn't name it Gwyneth Paltrow yeah, yeah. Life or whatever. Yeah. You know, I really want it to be its own business and I, the less that it's associated with me the better, even though that's all I do. In
0: case you get sent to jail or something. like more well, sorry. You never know. <laughs> I couldn't resist, sorry. <laughs> um, but no, it's interesting because I look at someone like Justin Timberlake and, and he's interesting in that he's sort of like created this sort of career of being Justin Timberlake and it's like he doesn't record that many albums anymore, but he's acting, he's appearing on Fallon, he's doing all these things. And like, it's just, we're in this age where you can do more than just be an actor or be a musician. Well, I think
1: if you look at how the internet has changed everything and how everything is not only so democratized, but all the distribution channels are so different. Everything's changing so rapidly. Everything's so immediate. And I think... When all of those old-fashioned ideas kind of get knocked down about what you can and can't do, what you're allowed to do, and all the borders sort of go with all the new media, anything's really possible. You know, you can shape a career any way that you want to. And you
0: can kind of do it yourself. I think it's interesting. It's all easy. Uh, by Goop Press, and and you were just saying before we went on air that just you know you can now sell this book on your website. You can autograph copies and sell them. It's you know so you don't necessarily need to rely on Amazon or a bookstore.
1: Right. It's kind of an amazing thing to be able to do that and to have your own distribution channel. And it's incredible. I mean, I feel like we're kind of in this new world where we're, we're doing that kind of thing. Um, but I like it.
0: Uh, it's very cool. So I'm um, flipping through the book. All right. The book's beautiful. You, you shot it with Dita Isiger, who's yes. one of our favorite photographers here at Bon App. Her. Although we don't get now that she lives in Europe and has a child, we, we get very we get a lot less Dita than we would like. Uh, did you shoot her. the book in London or where we did you did. shoot it? Yeah. We
1: shot it last summer in London and uh, we actually went to Paris one day too. Oh what the hell? And, uh, you know, it's a train wide. What are you going to do? Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we were we shot it a lot at my house in London and then in Hampstead Heath and the Marlebone Cheese Shop, which is my favorite place nice. in the world. That's where the cover was shot. Yeah.
0: And Susie Theodora did the food styling. And it's yes. just, yeah, you want to make everything. She does
1: more than that. I honestly couldn't do cookbooks without Susie. She is the backbone of the whole operation. You know, she conceives of things that, you know, she's just unbelievable, yeah, you know.
0: I, I think, you know, food stylists are interesting because, you know, at Bon Appetit, we obviously use a food stylist for horseshoots, our shoots. But it's it's changed a lot because I think back in the day there was this notion that they were there with tweezers and painting turkeys with, mela- you know, whatever, yeah. like shellacking <laughs> them. But now they're they're more like artists and they sort of give a dish its personality and they're actually – it's real food and they're sort of just giving it some love and making yeah. you want to eat it.
1: And yeah. she also was helping us name all the chapters, yeah. and I mean, she's really unbelievable. She organizes the whole production, I mean, she's beyond a food stylist.
0: The book itself, right, it's all easy. Um, in your introduction, you talk about a lot about our, this sort of busy lifestyle that we're all leading, leading right now, and not only busy, I, I find it's also kind of like just an ADD lifestyle. I mean, I check my iPhone every 26 seconds for Twitter or Instagram or emails yeah. or texts. And just that sort of that ability to slow down a little bit and, like, focus on cooking. Um, You know, how often, like I said, the question I get most, and this is a rambling question, is, like, how often do you cook? And I'm like, I don't know, probably a couple nights my wife and I cook, a couple nights we order in, a couple nights we go out. Like, what's your typical rhythm when you're in one city for an extended period?
1: Um, It depends what city. Yeah. In California, I cook a lot. When I'm in New York, I order in a lot That's a very, um, or I just, go a, out. Which is a
0: very New York thing.
1: You know, um, and I tend to be really busy when I'm here. I come in and I work and I leave. So, you know, I landed and I ordered cat's deli from caviar and it was the greatest fucking thing I've ever eaten <laughs> in my life. Um, so it it really depends. In California, I cook a lot. You know, I have lemons growing outside. Yeah. I have an herb garden. I have all kinds have of different house. lettuces. I have a house. Yeah. And I have a barbecue and a rotisserie. It just kind of like lends itself to really cooking more. And I'd say I cook, you know, f- probably four nights a week. My babysitter cooks sometimes. Um, I go out. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a mishmash.
0: How old are your kids now?
1: They are. My son turned 10 last okay. week. And my daughter will turn 12 next month.
0: When did you, because, sorry. Right, so I have an eight-year-old son. And the challenge my wife and I have with him is always that notion of, eating together as a family. And you constantly, you're always being told it's so important to eat together as a family. And well, it's tough when I get home from work at seven and he's hungry at six. Exactly, and yeah. I wanna have a moment to unpack my head and have a cocktail and actually eat at eight. How <laughs> how have you dealt with sort of family dinner and is how hard or easy is that?
1: Well, um, when they were really little, it was impossible. And then I started doing you know, cause exactly they wanna eat at six. So then on the weekends, I started eating early with them, and it's kind of we still do it. Like Sunday night, we eat at 6 o'clock. Um, and uh, on the weekdays, you know, now they come home and they have activities, I and they have a big snack when they come home, like I'll make them chips and guac, or, you know, they'll, we'll go to pick up um, this at the Brentwood Mart around the corner, they have this insane like chicken and french fries place, so Ooh. they get that once a week after school. Um, but they like a big snack after school yeah. and quesadillas mm-hmm. or whatnot, chili.
0: Are they more salty kids than sweet kids?
1: Yes, they're yeah. both more salty kids <laughs> than sweet kids. So in more ways than what? No, I'm just <laughs> um, And so, if we're eating at home, we'll all eat together, yeah. you know. But you, I eat earlier. Like yeah. I eat at six thirty or seven o'clock with them.
0: Although oh. I will say, but it's interesting also, L.A. L.A. is an earlier city than New York. In New York City, people will go out to dinner at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday night. Yeah. In L.A., everyone's at dinner at 7. It's you know? true.
1: Although it is changing in L.A. now. We have such a huge influx of people moving to L.A. from New York and from international cities. Yeah, yeah. And you can really feel That's it. That's interesting. And you can feel it when you go out to, like, the sort of it spots. Like, it's packed now at nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. And it did not it used did to not, be like no, that. No, it didn't.
0: If you had to name three favorite dishes in the book.
1: You know, I love the miso clams recipe. It's a recipe that I came up with because, you know, early on it was this idea of like the food is easy, but it's not a grilled chicken breast. Like it's surprising. It's delicious. Thea did a, um, like a deconstructed chicken wonton soup. Mm. So she didn't make all the wontons into one. So it's like little... Um, the the wrappers are floating, floating. in the soup, oh, cool. and I love that one. That's I thought cool. that was ingenious.
0: So you just buy the wrappers and just throw them in there. Yep. Like, like sheets of pasta. And totally, an soup. That's cool. and it's delicious.
1: Yeah. Um, you and one, then you I got one more. I did one um, early on as well. This three mustard chicken that's incredibly delicious. And How's that one made? It's three kinds of mustard, <laughs> and you basically slather it on and bake it, and it's delicious. And Every time I serve it, I always do it for guests because you can do like big sheets of it and it's so easy. And
0: What do you like to serve it with typically?
1: You know, I'm a big simple green salad on the side person and then whatever vegetables in season. And we're so lucky in California, the farmer's market is literally brimming with vegetables and it's – Incredible, you just do nothing, just steam something for a second and yeah. a little butter or oil. But, and and that's I would say, it.
0: The, the better the ingredients, the less you have to do to them. It's true. One, one last thing about the book, which I thought was interesting you have the, the pantry section in the beginning of the book, and this is also something we deal with at, at BA nowadays. You know, you're talking about canned goods and oils and condiments and stuff you'll see appearing in the book, and it's fascinating nowadays how international the American pantry has come. I know. And, and you've got dashi, you have kimchi, you have miso, you have ponzu, <laughs> you know, obviously sriracha. But it's like, you can go to the deli in, in the corner right now and buy kimchi in New York, totally. you know? Like is everywhere, miso's, it's like fish sauce. Yes. Fish sauce is the new soy sauce. And it's exactly. like that stuff, which is actually very easy to cook with, because I don't want to say you're cheating, but it adds instant flavor.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that in Asian food, that's a hack that they <laughs> discovered yeah. thousands of years ago. It's one little ingredient that adds a p- flavor profile that's incredible, and it's literally a dash of this and a dash yeah, of that.
0: I totally, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all easy. You can buy it on goop.com. You Out can, now. or you know,
1: anywhere else. <laughs> or anywhere else, but you
0: know, go to the source if you want. Cool. Um, lightning round, we're going to hit you with some quick either or questions. Okay. Are you ready? Okay I'm ready. Hard-boiled or soft-boiled? Soft-boiled. How many minutes typically if you're...
1: I mean what I do is I put an egg in cold water mm-hmm. and when it gets to the boil I time th- three minutes.
0: Okay. Interesting. And then
1: it's sort of like halfway between soft and...
0: That kind of ramen sort of egg? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is like sometimes when you drop it in the boiling water and then it'll the crack. Yeah, egg cracks. Yeah and then you have that weird white That's stuff right. oozing but it, out. Yeah Ugh. so
1: if you put it in the cold water it never cracks.
0: All right, this is the New York question. Okay. Beach or city?
1: Beach. Beach. At this point. Yeah. I'm old and tired, Adam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tequila shot or margarita?
1: Tequila shot.
0: What's your, do you have a type of, a favorite type or?
1: I like the 1942.
0: Okay. This is a funny one, and okay. I'm not even sure what the second part of this question is, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. All right. Caftan or maxi dress?
1: Uh, maxi dress. What is a maxi it's dress It's a dress exactly. that skims the floor.
0: Oh, oh yeah, those sort of things. Yeah. They're, they're very kind of like that sort of yes, ish
1: Bohemian. But yeah,
0: Bohemian, Laurel Canyon-y sort of vibes. Exactly. But, but then doesn't the bottom always get dirty after each wear? Or it's, I suppose or, so. Yeah, but it's not like a gown, so it's not but like precious. But you're a hippie, so you don't care. You're like, mind. yeah, whatever. Green juice or Matcha. Matcha. Are you like? Are you a matcha every day sort of person? I or?
1: love matcha. Not every day, but a lot of days.
0: Is it like a morning thing or an afternoon
1: thing? It's an afternoon. Uh-huh. It's like that four o'clock. Yeah. I'm starving, starving, and I'm trying not to eat a bag of uh, pretzels.
0: <laughs> I know you like these fish tacos, grilled or fried. Fried, yeah. unfortunately, they're so good, though. Oh right? My God. Like a little cabbage, dream, and dream all food. that stuff. Yeah. Mm. Mm. This was a question. I know this goes back to your first book and your dad. Um, pancakes or waffles?
1: pancakes
0: now your go-to pancake recipe are you the type that will do the overnight sort of thing and raw or do you do a quick you what, know your... i
1: do it in the morning cup mm-hmm. of flour one egg cup of milk baking soda salt sugar melted butter yogurt
0: oh yogurt interesting yeah what it, does that add richness or what does it, it add to it, it
1: it gives it this like tang yeah
0: yeah all right i like that this is a just a simple one chocolate or vanilla vanilla <laughs> really
1: i don't like chocolate that much wow
0: I never I liked chocolate ice cream as a kid. I always felt like chocolate ice cream was too bitter or something. I, you know, I was like, it's hmm. a
1: character flaw. I just don't love it. Um, like I like gummy bears and <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> um,
0: yoga or Pilates? Neither. Neither. What are you, what are you, what are you doing these days? I do I Tracy Anderson.
1: Uh-huh. I love to dance and do her thing. It, it, it works for me so well, so I don't mess with it.
0: Last question. Butter or olive oil?
1: Oh, really? Yeah. But they're both essential. For what?
0: Mm, That's an open ended question. You tell me. You set your own parameters, young
2: lady. Oh,
1: my goodness. I think I'm going to go with. uh, I think I'll go with butter right now. I'm using butter more
0: now. We're talking about waffles and pancakes Yeah, and,
1: stuff. and yeah. my son loves butter. God bless him. I mean, I have to spread like an <laughs> inch of butter on his toast in the morning.
0: all just some good stuff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Gwyneth Paltrow, thanks for stopping by. Thanks,
1: Adam. Thanks for having me.
0: Nolton, hey, Norton, we're rolling. Where are you? I literally have no idea what city you're in.
2: I uh, left Durham, North Carolina at like 830. So I'm about to go through Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm on 85 South, 40 West.
0: Are you driving right now?
2: Yeah, I'm driving. Are you
0: hands-free, I hope?
2: Yeah, I'm hands-free. And I'm going to, I'm going to Asheville, North Carolina. So it's about a three-hour drive.
0: All right. Now for the listeners, we also have the very talkative Julia Kramer with us. Let's actually talk some food. So you're from, is it the Research Triangle? Is that what they call Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill?
2: Yeah, Triangle, big uh, biotech um, industry. So I was there for two days. Um, I'd come from Richmond, Virginia, which is where I started this kind of southern road trip. And like I said, going to Asheville and then on to Atlanta after today. And the eyes on the prize today is at the end of this three-hour drive, I I get to have whole hog barbecue at this place that Julia Kramer's actually been to and didn't love, but you can't take a Yankees word for Southern barbecue, so I'm going to verify her her research. Yeah. yeah.
1: I liked it. I recommended that you go there.
0: Not just a Yankee, but a Midwestern Yankee, like a Midwestern. So wait, since when... Is the Research Triangle a food destination? Because I didn't even know that would be something on your map.
2: Well, before you, before you were born, when I was working at Bon Appetit, I did a story on the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area and how it was this budding uh, mecca for kind of the, the Berkeley of the East, um, academia, and tons of farms around there, obviously a lot of hog farms.
0: Did you have any memorable or interesting meals in the Triangle?
2: Uh, I did. I went to. Um, there's two new hotels that have just opened, and I know you can roll your eyes at Hotel Dining, but the Durham Hotel just opened, uh, which is Andrea Rusing, um, who owned, owns a place in Chapel Hill called Lantern, and she just took over this old bank building.
0: Interesting. And what was it? And you said another hotel mill?
2: Uh, and then the 21C, which is a kind of an artsy hotel that has. Original property in Louisville, one in Cincinnati, one in Bentonville, the home of uh, Walmart, and yeah. one in Lexington, Kentucky. So um, I, I will say every single restaurant that I've been to so far has steak on the menu, like the ginormous porterhouse that they've aged for thousands of days. Everybody's doing that right now, and nobody's doing it. I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I know Adam, you're a steak aficionado. A lot of it's grass fed. It just doesn't have that char. It's just, I don't know. It's become this thing like a burger that you just have to have on your menu. You have to show off with your, your, you know, big steak. Yeah.
0: I mean, I want to like I keep wanting to be a proponent of grass fed steak and every time I have it, it just doesn't deliver that that funk and the tang and the richness of flavor that a typical grain fed steak does. And I know that's much better for 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 us. It's better for the environment, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's challenging though. Um, Kramer, have you seen a lot of have you have you eaten a lot of steaks when in your restaurant research for the hot 10 this year?
1: Actually, not really. I wonder if that's because I was on the West Coast. And yes. last night out to dinner here, I was at a restaurant that I thought was vegetable-focused, but turned out was actually vegetarian.
0: Oh, interesting. That'll happen. Yeah, a lot of vegetables, as we've written about, and I think both of you guys have you know, written about in the last few years, restaurants being a lot more vegetable-focused, but I guess, yeah, it's, every now and then, there's like no meat.
2: Speaking of not healthy, the hardest part of traveling in the South is every exit, there's a Bojangles, a Waffle House... <laughs> Chick-fil-A, a bill, or a Popeye's. And it's all wow. I can do not to stop and have, you know, I mean, because, you know, certain ones do, certain chains do certain things really well.
0: I didn't grow up with Bojangles. I grew up with Popeye's in Washington, D.C. I don't know anything about Bojangles.
2: Bojangles is like uh, chicken, but it's mostly, they invented the spicy chicken filet. Like, the Chick-fil-A copied that um, Wendy's has that spicy chicken fillet, and they have their biscuits are okay. I would say Biscuitville, which is a North Carolina chain, has the best biscuits, and then Popeyes is probably my favorite in the South because their fried chicken, and people might yell at me for this. their fried chicken is some of the best fried chicken you can get in this country. I mean it's still crispy oh, yeah. and their' biscuits. I haven't eaten
1: Popeyes since I was maybe six years old, but Andrew, I was actually thinking about your dining habits because, in my mind, you have so much restraint when you're eating. But I've what I, from what I've seen on your Instagram feed, like you're eating corn dogs, you're eating French fries alone at the bar at He's
0: not finishing night. them. He's not finishing them. He's just taking a bite. Is right, that Nolan? true,
2: Andrew? I will say that this leg of the, the trip so far has been particularly carby. And the places I've been going, I, I no, I didn't finish that corn dog. It was a delicious corn dog. I had two bites. I killed myself on Tuesday. I I overdid it. I had country ham biscuit. I had a corn dog. I had a pizza. I had steak. I just had too much of too much. And then, so yesterday, I did this, and I hope you're listening, Kramer. Is I took a mini sabbatical. I did not eat yesterday until dinner. And I did that, I I put that into my itinerary that I had to, it's just like basketball. You can't play back-to-back-to-back games and expect you to, to, to be at your best.
0: With that, Nolan, we, I mean, we can't beat that, so we're going to let you go.
2: Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye. Andrew. Bye. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by Belle Cushing and Carrie Polis, with editing by Mitra Kaboli
0: and additional help from Christina Che and Lily Sherman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us anything about this or any episode,
2: please email us at bonapetitfoodcast at gmail.com.